Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing. The Godfather at ChampaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Julio Rodriguez and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Thank you for entering this sort of unspoken contract with us for the next hour. My name is Matthew Robertson, a guy who, by the time you hear this, will not have had a real conversation with someone in person for like four days. So apologies if I, uh, if I forget how to do any of this. Uh, I have, however, gotten a haircut in my living room. So things are looking up, sideways maybe, I don't know, parallel to what I was doing before, but things are weird, bro. Things are weird. And bro is all of you. It's a collective bro. Um, anyway, I'm joined today by a uh, former writer for Lookout Landing and Short Relief, my brother in arms at both places. Uh, one, still going strong despite California's sort of arcane laws. The other, Short Relief, was actually one of the first casualties of the coronavirus. Not a lot of people know that. Short Relief, baseball prospectuses, free collection of 500 word articles was brutally murdered by the novel coronavirus known as COVID-19. But that's not important right now. What is important is that I'm joined by someone who used to write for both of those places, my friend Nick Stillman. Hello, Nick. How are you doing? Hello, Matthew. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing uh, well. I'm in quarantine. So Perfect. I'm, I'm doing as well as anybody is, and I'm very jealous of your haircut. I'll- 
Yeah, I uh, I don't know if it's supposed to happen. My barber came to my apartment, and I paid him more than I normally do to do so, but I feel like that might have broken the rules. Also, like, people who have listened to this for a while will know, like, don't listen to me. Like, I don't know anything, all right? If you want real advice, go to lots of other podcasts. <laughs> but uh, I, I did have my barber come to my apartment and cut my hair, even though I won't be seeing anyone for a very long time, it seems like, but more so for me. How bad was your hair that you decided, you know, I gotta, I gotta ask if he does a house call. Like, was it, was it pretty bad? Were you pretty far gone? Well, yes, but it was more like, well, if I don't do this at any point during the quarantine, then it's gonna just be an absolute disaster. And I guess I'm still doing, like, Zoom calls for work, um, so I do have to, like, see other people. And I just, I don't know. It was, like, it wasn't, like, an emergency, which is why I felt kind of stupid about, like, Hey, can we brave the pandemic so I can get a haircut <laughs> that only I will ever see? Um, but it's also just about, like, keeping normalcy as much as possible, you know? Like, I feel like I was trying to do things that I normally do. And also my barber, like, his shop is extremely closed, obviously, so I was trying to help him out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my hair my hair will, will recover no matter what, but it was more just, like, let's get this out of the way so I don't have to, you know, enter week five of the quarantine and look like those people on like the last night of survivor you know where they haven't showered or like touched their hair in 40 days they've had nothing but rice yeah i i am getting to that point where i'm i'm wondering about what my options are with the hair because it is it's like it's tracking how bad the quarantine is getting uh it's just you know the more ridiculous it's getting just the more i'm like wow we're really this i'm not in society I'm, i'm in a different place right now yeah, I'm worried because I'm completely alone for all of this. Uh, I do have a roommate, but he left to quarantine at his parents' house, which I respected because I'm sure his parents' house is much nicer than our apartment. Um, so I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen people in real life. I mean, I'm going on my like government mandated walks around the neighborhood, and I'll give them the the little thin lip smile. But other than that, just me, myself, and I, and a bunch of random shit on YouTube and Netflix that is probably having negative effects on my brain at this point. Are you in complete isolation or do you have a quarantine partner? I have a quarantine partner and uh, that is, I'm very thankful for that because that would be really hard. It already is hard, but um, I live with my girlfriend, uh, Sabrina, and our two cats and our several fish and our frog. So I have a lot of uh, living beings around me uh, to help me stay sane. But it's still tough even, you know, even having someone here because then it's like this is just not that big of a place. And so this is just... I mean, you want to test a relationship, be in quarantine. That's, you know, that's where you really learn how, how strong you are. And we're doing fine. I don't, she's going to hear this and think that I'm saying it's not. But, uh, you know, but you do have to take walks now and again. You know, the government allows it, you know, and you have to, sometimes you have to um, schedule them. So you get to take a nice walk by yourself. Yeah, I bet. How's the frog handling all of this? Have you told them yet about the situation or are they just kind of playing dumb? Mostly playing them. They're, they are worried about um, the recent lack of crickets, which we still need to brave uh, the, the pandemic and go get some more crickets. Um, she's actually in my office. And so when I, when I teach a class, she's been, uh, she likes the sound of my voice sometimes and she'll start croaking. Um, so I think, I think she likes having, you know, like just being around people. I, I think she's actually enjoying it more, the fact that I'm just, you know, around providing, you know, some kind of social contact. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly had that thought. I don't have any pets personally. My dad has a dog at his house, and I've been thinking, like, this has got to be 
really overstimulating for a lot of animals, <laughs> like dogs especially. Like they're getting they're getting so much attention, and then cats. From what I understand, as someone who's allergic to cats and has never owned one, <laughs> they kind of hate this, right? Like I feel like they wouldn't want all these people around because they can't be mischievous and whatever other things that cats do around the next apartment. Yeah, that's what the internet's been saying, and I, I believe that a lot of people are having that experience. My cats are just, they're just so lazy, and they are so, they're very much like me, and they just they just want to sit around and be petted all day, and they have just no, no, they don't have any plans of their own. Their, their plans are to wait until I'm home, so so they're loving it, uh, and but now they've become accustomed to a certain amount of attention. So if I leave the house at all, it's this, it's this huge deal. And the cats come to the door and they start meowing. Uh, it's a whole thing. Yeah, I'm definitely being confronted by, like, the idea that I like doing nothing. Because I do. Like, that is one of my favorite things to do in the whole world is just nothing. Especially if you've been doing something all day. But now that something is just working from my kitchen counter. And then when I'm doing nothing, it's just like, oh, time to go five feet away to the couch like it's a very weird transition to make mentally from like oh my work day is over I guess even though I'm still in the exact same place I was when I was doing work so that's been weird that's why I'm trying to like finish work go outside then come home make dinner and then do whatever the fuck I want which is not as fun as it used to be you know it's like when you're a kid and you're like I wish my parents would disappear and they disappear and you're like, oh, well, fuck, I can't do anything. <laughs> no, it, I mean, that is, I think that is true. I think you're definitely hitting on something that, I mean, the things that are fun are mostly, our downtime is mostly fun because it is downtime because it, we're not doing something else that we have to do. We get to do what we want. But if we're allowed to do what we want all of the time, suddenly like our capacity to feel joy just shrinks like crazy. Uh, so it, I, I like your strategy of, of kind of separating your life a little bit and scheduling. So, okay, I'm going to spend some time outside and now I'm going to come back inside. I'm going to cook dinner and do, do some work. And then, then I will relax like in this preordained time. Um, I, th I think you kind of have to set yourself a little schedule. Otherwise all of the hours and days kind of just bleed together into just kind of this hedonistic, just, you know, I mean, I went through a few days where I didn't get off the couch, I don't think, and I just ate just crap all day. But I climbed out of that and, and I've tried to, to restructure some of my life, fake structure in my life. Totally. Yeah, the fear for me is that I'll just revert back to like a lot of my old ways that I worked for a long time to grow out of. Like in college, I was basically self-quarantining a lot anyway. <laughs> like I would just do nothing a lot of times. I can remember entire Saturdays in college where I didn't leave the apartment, you know, just kind of doing exactly what you described where you're just on the couch, like, you know, not really doing anything constructive at all. Like there's ways to do nothing and still like kind of enrich yourself. And I wasn't doing that at all. And then I kind of got called out on it by people and they're like, you need to like live your life. Like we're never going to be in this situation again. <laughs> so I did. And now I'm realizing like, Oh fuck, I'm becoming 19 year old Matthew again, where all I want to do is lay around, stare at my phone, like maybe play Xbox. And then, you know, I realize I've been doing that for five hours, try to do something, <laughs> finish, like do that thing, feel good about it. And then five more hours of staying at my phone and playing Xbox. And that's, that was scary. When I realized on the first weekend of this, that I was doing exactly that all over again, it was kind of a wake up call, which I think we needed. Probably everyone needs that right now. I think you have to sit, hit some kind of bottom or like, or at least a, like a low middle and be like, okay, so this is what it looks like when I just completely do nothing and just give in to, to every single like immediate desires is what my life looks like. 
Uh, I think you've got to see what that looks like so that you know, like, do I want this? Do I want to stay in this? Or, or should I maybe, like, you know, do something productive or, you know, do something, I don't want to say productive, but do something that involves some kind of structure and like some self-discipline, uh, which just makes you enjoy the times when you're not self-disciplined more. Yeah, the productivity thing is so tough because, like, what is there to do anyway? Yeah. Like, you know, what are we building towards right now? If I'm productive, what does that look like when the rest of the world is stopped? So, like, I've been cleaning a lot. My apartment mm-hmm. has literally never been cleaner. And that oh, one's man. fun, too, because for me, cleaning is all about just starting. Like, once I get going, it's it's not even that bad. It's the idea of cleaning that normally turns me off. So then when I actually do get going, and now that my roommate's gone, I've just been blasting music at ignorant levels so i do that i clean and then that makes me feel at least somewhat accomplished even if it's not necessarily like productivity in an outward form you know like it's really just for me and then it's going to get dirty again and i have to restart the cycle but it still feels like something that's all i'm really looking for is just something to take my mind off the fact that a hundred thousand people might die or whatever they're saying yeah no and I think you know cleaning is a good way i've been cleaning a lot it's amazing how many dishes that i create just cooking at home like I, I don't know I guess I didn't cook at home as much as I thought I did because it's just been like a non-stop like most of my time now it just seems like I'm doing dishes or like taking trash out uh, and I think uh, what it's made me realize is this time is like most things are kind of fake we don't need to do a lot of the stuff like I guess we can just stop at any time we just don't have to like, I, I don't know, I had this image of the world that it just needs to constantly move forward and it's unstoppable. And then, you know, we're like, oh, wait, actually, no, you can just stop. We'll just stop it for, for a couple months. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, oh, well, then what did all that stuff mean? Was that important that I, you know, that I went to all those meetings that we had? Was that, was that really necessary? Yeah, I remember how I went to college for four years and put myself in debt what was that all for to fucking die in a pandemic or not go outside for like a, a whole year in my mid-20s that doesn't sound fun at all i could have just skipped college oh my god yeah it's it, it's been weird on the cooking thing though i did learn a couple things i learned that i'm not good at cooking but i'm mm, working mm. in ways around it like i know that i had i had like a base you know things that i was pretty good at making and now i've just been sort of churching those up like i've been making a lot of burgers but then i realized you can add stuff to burgers mm, 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 so today i caramelized some onions threw some mushrooms on there boom i got a mushroom swiss burger i would not say restaurant quality but a solid lunch for a guy who normally pays like $13 for lunch every single day. That sounds delicious. And $13, that's a lot of money, Matthew. That's a, that's a lot of money to spend on a lunch. I know. Folks, you got to watch out for lunch, all right? They don't tell you about this when you're in college. Again, college teach you how to budget for lunch. That is a useful skill. I, I actually that. skipped that class, uh, the, the lunch the lunch pricing class that uh, like the prepares you to budget for lunchtime. I, you know, right. I, I didn't think it was important at the time. And boy, boy, did I miss out on that economics of lunch well they laughed at us us as a generation when we combined breakfast and lunch but look how much money we've saved a lot. oh yeah two meals into one i mean that's i mean the brunch is expensive but you know you're you are saving something yeah you sleep till 11 you have brunch you take a nap then you have dinner it's perfect that's my that's all i want to do when this is over that's all i want to do <laughs> which is basically what we're doing now except for just going to to a restaurant instead of making it at our at our house which somehow does feel different like leaving the house and having somebody make you food and then coming home for some reason that feels like a productive way to spend time uh, but it is not 
Way better. Yeah, I miss that too. I miss not having to worry that I'm gonna fuck it up. You know, like because <laughs> meals now are so like meals are like what I basically look forward to now. Like you're mm-hmm. basically just killing time until your next meal. Yeah. And then I realize like, oh boy, if this is bad, like you don't get what a day. Yeah. Yeah, like that's that's your whole day. You were building towards this, and then well. you blew it. So now now what? And then like you have to grapple with that the next day when you try to cook again. You know, it's kind of like getting the yips, I would imagine. I'm scared of my own ability to, to make a mess here. That fear of failure creeps up on you, and you just suddenly you can't cook anything. The eggs just, you know, just be over-fried. Yeah. Yeah. It can, it, can, it can mess you. I, I hope, you know, just focus on the process if you're going to be making making some food. Just don't think about the outcome, right? You just want to focus on, uh, on, you know, chop wood, carry water. That's what, that's what they'll totally. say. Well, on the bright side, too, I've also, like, basically read the equivalent of a whole book going through all these internet recipes and reading people's little little intros that they write. Like, oh, yeah. On, man. I saw that on Twitter all the time and was like, oh, that's funny. But now I'm actually living it, and it sucks. I don't want to have to scroll through a bunch of shit to figure out how to make a fucking frittata or whatever. Like, just give me, start with a the frittata, <laughs> then maybe, like, end credit style, you give me your story. I, I totally, but then you're not going to read the story. I think they know, right? They're like, there's no way anybody's going to care what, you know, my husband Frank thinks about, you know, my frittata. He's, you know, nobody knows Frank. Like, his opinion is going to mean nothing to them. And, you know, and so so they know that. And they're like, but I really need people to care about Frank. And so they put it up front uh, and hoping maybe you'll just get confused, I think, when you start reading, which I've mul- done on multiple occasions. I just start reading and I'm like, okay, so the recipe's got to be hidden in here, right? And then, <laughs> and then and then you just keep reading. You're like, no, wow, is there a relationship? More relationship. And then you scroll down and you're like, okay, there's a little box, a little text box. And that's what I look for now. I just scroll to the text box and it's like, this is yeah. your ingredients. Here's the steps. That's all I need. Yeah, you're a pro at it. I guess what confuses me is like, are you trying to be a chef or are you trying to be a writer? Like, why is there, there shouldn't be two of these. You just give me the recipe straight up. <laughs> Or start a blog separate from the in, like from the recipe stuff because it's just it's mucking up the waters a little bit, you know. That's my it's my two cents. This is just a new genre of writing. Maybe I need to kind of get in on this because I write a lot of fiction, and yeah, people don't want to read a lot of fiction online. And so maybe if I squeeze it in with something essential, you know, like I have some essential thing information people want, and I'm like, but first, here's a short story about the future. And then, like, at the mm. end, you get a little text box of whatever important uh, information. I don't have any important information. I'll have to find some. But once Please I get that information. Please give money at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. That is that is important. That's more important to me, I think, than, than maybe the reader. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is a new genre that's just waiting to be tapped by other markets. I think so. Well, it sounds like we've been handling this all very rationally. I know I have, at least. You know, I've just been licking everything around the city to claim it as my own because you never know nick you never know what it'll come down to eventually we're gonna have to fight it out for possessions so i gave the space needle a big wet kiss and we're dating now and i feel pretty good about that (laughs) that's a good choice you know it's strong stable supportive i think that's a good you know that's gonna be good for you yes and i mean it's all just biding time until we get to see and hear i guess the sweet melody of baseball again Um, oh man it was we're recording this on April 1st. Opening week was supposed to be in full swing right now. And I'm realizing that I miss the little things about baseball. You know, like, obviously, it would be nice to have the games. But, like, I miss just the idea of, like, it kind of shortens your day, right? Because, like, seven ten every night, if you're on the West Coast, at least, that's like, okay, my the rest of my night belongs to the Mariners. And now I have to fill that time on my own. 
that's not that fun. Like, I don't like having to make those decisions for myself. I just like sort of the the comfort and familiarity of it all, you know? And now that that's gone, I'm, like, learning a lot about myself that I don't love. Mm, so. mm-mm, don't do that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think that's, that's part of it. Basically, we've... It sounds like you've replaced baseball with dinner, right? It's like this... It's like this... Um, this kind of built-in structure to your day where you're like, I know that whatever happens at 7 p.m., I'm going to have baseball that I can watch or not or follow as closely or not closely as I want, but I know it's going to be there. And so I can plan my day around that and structure my day around it. Uh, and now that that's gone, it's, it is it is odd to try to find things just to, to look forward to. In the you know, and We're supposed to be looking forward to baseball, so it's hard to like, okay, uh, my I have to structure my own day and make my own, you know, entertainment. And you miss this kind of nice background hum of baseball always being present whenever you want it. Right. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's more of like trying to figure out what I do miss because obviously like with the Mariners, they're not very good. They've never really been that good for most of the time I've been paying attention to them. Like, they were okay, you know, but they were never, like... It wasn't like you were watching it the same way, I guess, I would watch the Seahawks, where it's like, if they lose this game, they probably don't make the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, the stakes are so low for the Mariners that it's not, the like, the winning and losing that I necessarily cared about. And a lot of the players, too, if we're being honest, I also didn't care about, knowing that some of them will be out the door soon. So it's like, what what is it about the Mariners that I miss so much that's what I've been thinking about a lot and I know that there's not like a real answer to this but it really is I think just like a friend you know like you have a friend in your life for so long or a a lover or whatever and now they just are gone and because of a stupid virus that you can't see I don't know (laughs) I think I think people have lost a lot of lovers that way why can't they just do it like just play and obviously I'm not actually advocating for that but it's like at this point I'm thinking like why what happens if they do you know like I have all the worst thoughts right now like a person trying to piece together a breakup like well what if they just came back you know what if we try again <laughs> yeah i that, that is kind of how it feels like i've been trying to think about what i miss about baseball because it's not i i, I do struggle to find like one specific thing and when baseball is on honestly i'm not watching every single game i know that there's fans who are better fans than i am i'm a i consider myself a big fan but um I'm not sitting down every every single night watching the game, uh, and so the actual presence of watching baseball isn't really missing that much from my life as much as it as it would be if baseball is going on. Uh, it's missing, but it is like having like a friend or something around. Um, I was thinking about like uh, I don't know why, but like if if baseball or the Mariners were a like a food, what kind of food would it be? And I was trying to think about that. I don't know why that popped in my head, but. And I was thinking it wouldn't be like an like a steak or something for me or like something that's like a filet or something that you go out for, like a nice fish. It would be more like, I don't know, like cereal, mm. which which I love cereal. I'm not going to, hopefully, normally I don't make a whole meal out of cereal, but I just love that I can eat it at any time. It's always there. It's easy. It makes me happy. It's comforting. Reminds me of being a kid. Um and I just, I just enjoy it. There's nothing bad about cereal. There's no, you know, like nothing bad can happen to you. So I, I don't know. It's something that just like, <laughs> uh, that just, just reminds me of, of being a kid. And it's just like a, a pleasant, easy experience that is just gone now. Yeah. I was going to say like mac and cheese kind of Ooh, vibe too. Yeah. It's like, 
because sometimes like a whole Mariners game, if you're going to watch the whole thing, like that's hearty, you know, like that can be filling in the way that mac and cheese is because cereal i mean don't get me wrong i love cereal as much as the next guy but you got to eat a lot of it to really get full and with mac and cheese it's just so thick and you know it puts it puts that that brick in your stomach that you know the mariners do kind of the (laughs) the equivalent to my brain where i'm watching them and i'm like oh this feels like i'm wearing a blanket on my cerebral cortex right now (laughs) yeah like it it's like almost painful and you're just like, why am I, why, but why am I still eating? Why am I still eating this? Uh, you know, cause it tastes, it tastes pretty good still, even though it's, it's hurting me. Exactly. I'm just, I'm also kind of longing now for like the, the way that the Mariners fuck up. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm like two days away from Googling like Mariners bring in overmatched relief pitcher just to experience <laughs> that all over again. You know, like I want to see the Mariners that because that is like what they are to me you know they're like they're the lovable friend who like you know you you really respect them you've been through a lot with them but you know that like they're not great and then they do something like that where they are down five nothing and they're just getting to their first reliever and like oh it's gonna get worse very cool very cool like that's what i expected out of you i'd be more alarmed if you did the opposite and you like started to turn things around you know yeah, you just like watch your friend lean into this like harmful behavior, and like yeah, that's just that's just what they're gonna do. But you know, I still love them, and I'm still gonna still gonna root for them to get to get better one day. Maybe they'll improve. <laughs> There's that great tweet, one of my favorite tweets of all time, which is such a weird sentence, but Whoa. I do say it a lot about how uh, like people deserve rebuilding years the same way that sports teams do, and that should just be like if you're having a weird time in life, you should just be able to say yeah, it's a rebuilding year, and people should just leave it at that. I think that that's the Mariners forever, unfortunately, but uh, I do think about that a lot when I meet someone and I'm like, oh, you might be in kind of a rebuilding year right now. Like, I get it, you know? I don't want to probe too hard, but I feel like I understand what's happening because we've all had rebuilding years, you know? Oh, yeah. No one's perfect. I I actually, I like that a lot. And I think one thing I like about being a Mariners fan is that they're bad, which is weird, but the, the fact that, I don't know, I... That there, there's always hope, right? We're always hoping they'll get better, and the rebuilding is perfect because I don't, you know, I don't have to expect them to be good. I just have to expect them to try their best, and I get to look for the silver lining and try to f- see what's what's good underneath or what could become good um, without necessarily expecting them to ever achieve anything. Um, and I feel like that hope of them maybe one day being good is just keeps me going I, I don't know why I don't, I don't know what I would do if I was a Yankees fan I think I'd be so bored I don't know or a Dodgers fan like oh yeah they're gonna win whatever they have the best players that's why they're gonna win of course and if they don't win then I'm very disappointed and if they do win well I expected them to win so I'm not really feeling that good I completely agree with that and I think if you were to be a Yankees fan or like a Alabama football fan or whatever like a fan of a truly dominant team I feel like it would ruin winning because then winning just feels like like, it's more relief than joy, you know? Like, when your team mm-hmm. wins when they're supposed to win, it's like, okay, thank God they did what they were supposed to. It's not like... I feel like euphoria would be completely gone from that experience. Even if they win the championship, it's like, okay, well, that's like... It's like completing a goal rather than actually, like, celebrating, you know? That's at least what I would imagine. We obviously have no real <laughs> real awareness of what that would feel like, but we're just kind of guessing here. Yeah, blissful ignorance of what winning feels like. Uh, yeah, I... I don't know. And I'm wondering, I always wonder what would happen to my fandom if they did win everything. If they won the championship, 
because then next year you wake up, you wake up, I don't know, like maybe a week after the World Series, right? And you're still probably feeling high on the victory. And then you're like, okay, well, let's do it again. The thing, let's just do it one more time. I don't know. It's this weird precedent. Like, okay, I guess we just have to do it again and try to win it all again. It doesn't sound as fun to me. I don't want to, I want to win it once and then maybe baseball should just stop. <laughs> if the Mariners ever win the World Series, I think that actually would be a good time to just shut Major League <laughs> Baseball down forever. I think things, obviously, it'd probably be so far into the future at this point that it's probably on the verge anyway. So might as well just, you know, just cut yeah, it I off. Guess this is all point. hypothetical, obviously, if we even have society again at any point. We're assuming that there's going to be baseball in this new society we're going to be creating where, where you lick all of the objects and call dibs. Uh, you're gonna <laughs> own mean, everything start, in seattle I yeah prime piece of real estate you do i gotta start licking stuff i'm not close to anything that's really lickable i don't know i gotta look for mm. some stuff so what have you been doing to stay occupied have you tried the watching old mariners games yet has that come across your mind like because a lot of them are on youtube now you just type in the date that you want to find and then there's a the whole game there and it's three hours of just nothingness so i've done one i watched one whole mariners game from 2014 where Felix was pitching. I specifically, like, I was pretty specific about it. I wanted a Felix weekend home start, and I found one against the A's. And I also wanted to not remember it, you know? I feel like if I was watching a game that I remember everything that happened, that kind of takes the fun out of it. So I was, like, watching this game, and, like, Derek Barton was playing for the A's, and the Mariners lineup was just trash. Like, Abraham Almonte was the leadoff hitter. (gasps) Oh, I miss that. It felt great. Like, I loved every minute of it. And, like, it was nice, too, because... At first, I was, like, watching it kind of like a movie, you know, where I'm really plugged in. And then by, like, the fourth inning, I was checking my phone while the Mariners were hitting and was like, oh, I'll pay attention when Felix is pitching. And that felt so good again. So I think That's I'm going right, to yeah. trying to find more of those games that I, like, obviously I want them to win in these rewatch games, but I think I'm going to do some digging and try to find other ones that sort of fit the criteria I'm looking for. Have you done that? Have you watched full baseball games yet? I have not. Um, I've thought about it. There are some games like the Ryan Langer hands home run games that I remember very vividly. Uh, I, I was uh, Dustin Ackley's first hit game. I was at that game, and I would love to see what that looks like. Um, and but here's here's my thing. I it's like an interesting experiment. So if you like watching games where the outcome just really doesn't matter, right? It's happened so far in the past that it held no effect on anything. It's already been decided. Um, and you don't even know whether they'll win or not. So then is the that is a joy of baseball, is it how tied to it are we of like winning and like having it be here and now? If you can just go back and watch something that's already happened, how important is it that I don't know, we have live games that where the outcomes have statistical meaning. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, the funniest part about the whole coronavirus situation to me is how much I'm thinking about, like, meaningless, like, hypotheticals within an already hypothetical situation, you know? Like, I'm thinking about, yeah. like, oh, what what would happen if this, and then I have to stop myself and be like, well, none of that is actually existing right now, you know what I mean? So, like, I'm thinking about, like, well, what if the Mariners had done this differently, and then what would that lead to this year? And I'm like, well, wait, no, there's nothing... There's like it all just you come to a hard stop at any of these trains of thought and I'm trying to like I'm literally dreaming of the day when this is all over and like all of those fictional things become real again and I can actually wonder about who the Mariners fifth starter will be and all that but for now it's like you know the, the, the outcome is meaningless obviously so I know that going in but it's like 
I guess it is kind of the same way that people would watch a TV show they've seen again, where they know all the characters and it just feels good to hang out with them again. Like, I felt like I was hanging out with Dave Sims and Blowers and watching Felix, you know, my, my favorite character from the 2014 season or whatever. But, like, it's so... I feel like my whole brain has been rewired during all of this, partially because I'm not speaking to other humans, but also just because <laughs> of the nature of uncertainty, I guess, and what that does to the human psyche. Yeah, uh, I think that's a that's a good point. I like that that it's like a TV show that you've already seen, right? I've, I'm rewatching Community right now and going back through it, and I know what happens in every episode, and yet I'm still watching it, you know, and I'm finding new things in it because I have, you know, a different perspective now. I feel like maybe I should go back and watch. I've been resistant to going back and watching games because I'm like, well, would that be enjoyable? Like, would I enjoy watching an an old game? Like, I, you know. I don't know. I, I've been debating it, and I don't know. You might you might have convinced me by saying the word television that maybe I would maybe I would enjoy it. Yeah, well, and for me too, a big part it was like I wanted the games that I don't remember because then it's like you actually are kind of wondering what's gonna happen. Like I guess when I looked up when I was trying to find the game, I would see the final score because I also wanted to make sure the Mariners won. But I didn't look at like you know who had the RBI, how long did so and so pitch. So it was kind of fun to like do that again like I was watching this game and Felix was dominating and I was thinking like do they let him go the whole time like what happens here and then they don't they bring in like Farquhar, Litke, Wilhelmsen <laughs> they almost blow it and then Fernando Rodney almost blows it it was really fun it doesn't sound like it's that fun but it was a good a good three hours spent on my couch last weekend that does sound kind of fun actually and I and that is a trick right like how much information do you want to know ahead of time uh, you know, like you want to know the outcome because you don't necessarily want to. This is, this is your own fantasy, right? You can choose any game. You don't want to choose a losing game. But then, if you know too much of what happens, you know, I guess there's probably a line for everybody on like how much they want to know or not know going in. I think I would want to know almost nothing, um, right. except for maybe the score. I don't want to watch like a zero-one shutout and the Mariners lose. That that I've yeah. I've sat through too many of those. They're not they're not fun. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. That's like what you just described is kind of what I was thinking when I was going through the like the schedule from 2014 trying to find a game. I was like, okay, I want them to score some runs. You know, I don't want it to be I also want it to be quick. Like I didn't want to watch like a four and a half hour oh, game. So like, yeah. like nine to eight at a certain point, if the score gets up that high, I'm like, oh, that's not going to be that fun. So I think the game I'm referring to, and I'll put it in the, the post for this on Lookout Landing, was like April 12th. It was early in the season. It was Felix's first home start of the year. So they have like the Supreme Court or whatever they call it, where the whole stadium is green uh, yellow. It was really cool. And I didn't remember a single thing about that game. So it was it was fun to relive it. And they were playing the A's, who still had like Donaldson and Cespedes too. So that was kind of fun to watch. What, how, why did you choose 2014? Well, so I wanted to pick... I've, I know that I'm going to rewatch Mariner games because I, like, I just know myself. I know it's going to happen. So I was thinking, like, I think I saw Shannon Dreyer tweet that if you just type in the date, you'll find something. Like, if you'll find a game from that date if you type it in. So I was thinking, like, okay, if it's that specific, then let me do a year where the Mariners were somewhat good. So I wanted to, like, kind of mm -hmm. feel that again, you know, like, knowing that the Mariners, oh. that this game did matter in the grand scheme of things. Like, I didn't want to watch just a game where so-and-so played well but like the Mariners were three games under 500 so I went to 2014 on uh, baseball reference and was looking through all the games and I was control F Hernandez you know and wanted to find his best starts and then I wanted to be at home so once I saw all the Felix starts I started looking for home games and then I remember thinking 
Uh, I should probably find one uh, where it was a weekend because then the crowd is a little more full. Like, I, I put a lot of thought into this. I didn't want, like... You know, it's so weird to watch the Mariners when... Or at least it was. Now this is all past tense. It was so weird to watch, like, a dominant Felix performance where there's no one there to cheer him on. So, like... And he feeds mm-hmm. off the crowd so well. So I wanted, I wanted a Friday night or a Saturday. And I found it. That game against the A's that I described fit everything I was looking for. And the Mariners won, like, 6-4. to four. Uh, none of the runs were Felix's fault. They all came from the bullpen. So, yeah. That's a be- I, mean, I mean, that's a beautiful game. It was. I mean, maybe it was a we should. Experience. Yeah. I feel like this, like, this methodology is, is good. You want to, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be different for different people, but I think that's kind of a universally good baseball game description, right? The, the score is somewhere above three, right? So we're going to see some runs being scored. Um, your favorite player does well. Uh, there's a crowd there, right? The personalities that you want are in place. Uh, good players. I feel like, like there's like got to be a certain set of criteria of what makes a baseball game good. Like what what makes a baseball game interesting, and probably will differ for different people, but probably not too much. I feel like you described a good a good system. I might try I might try that out. Yeah. Well, and then ne- like once I did that, I started thinking like, oh well, now I sh- like the next time I should do it for Iwakuma or Paxton. You know, like as much fun as it is to watch Felix, I'm trying to have some diversity in it too. So I think next step is go to 2016 control F Iwakuma and then find one of his good starts from that year. Oh, I really liked watching him pitch too. I thought he was so aesthetically pleasing as a pitcher. It's the knee for me, the way his leg like does this weird, like converse. I don't know if that's the right word. Like the, the foot goes higher than his kneecap, like in slow-mo when he kicks yes. it out in his windup, like I, I just love watching. It's just addicting. I just watch his like foot. He just does a little kick, and then he like throw. I don't know. And they and he's so you know something about watching somebody who has command of the baseball. That's that's really fun to watch. Yeah, every pitch moved too. Like nothing was just straight. It was like everything was so cunning, which was fun to watch because I that's kind of how I felt when I would play baseball at a very young age. Like obviously not anywhere near the same level of Hisashi Iwakuma but I couldn't throw hard at all so I had to I had to find little ways to get people out and it was and I I relate to that you know like I loved when I was a little kid when I was like actually trying to learn from watching baseball I would watch Jamie Moyer and try to figure out how he got Mm. people out despite throwing 40 miles an hour I would love to go back and watch a Jamie Moyer star I have a lot of memories of Jamie Moyer but not like specifically what his pitching looked like like it's been like prime Jamie, like that would be fun to go back and see. Also, like Freddie Garcia. Um, yeah, I have a lot of memories yeah. of Aaron Seeley, like pitchers that I like have mental images of, but like cannot for the life of me remember what them pitching looked like. I know. Unfortunately, the the YouTube method that I talked about doesn't go back that far. Like I think you can oh. type in any date back to like two thousand nine. I want to say, um, but it wouldn't have. You can't just type in like. August 6, 2003, like that wouldn't work. Um, but I think I am not certain about this, but I know that Root Sports has been tweeting about the fact that they're showing old games. I do not have cable, so I'm not watching them, but I think for our extremely wealthy listeners who have cable, I think you can watch some old games. I'm sure some of them have Jamie Moyer or Freddie Garcia. Although I think they might just be doing opening days right now, which also I don't love. Like I want, I miss the minutia, you know, I don't want. Watching every game be opening day would feel very strange to me. Yeah, I I wouldn't want to. I want to watch a normal baseball game. You know, exactly. I, I want to watch like something that uh, where you have to kind of like dig to appreciate it, and it's not being built up to be something bigger than it is. 
so yeah, that's also why I haven't been tempted by the Perfecto or any of the like huge moments. I've not really been tempted because I already experienced that high and I feel like I just want to watch like a, just a normal a normal game again. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I know. So I guess this is a good time to ask you, like, what... Because we got a little bit of normalcy, I guess, in spring training, as normal as spring training can be. Um, were you following along with spring training, like watching? And if so, what were your expectations for the Mariners this year? Like, what did you think the 2020 season would look like for Seattle? I was, yeah, I was paying attention to, to spring training. I, I love, I love the spring. I love all of the off-season stuff. You know, all the transaction moves. I'm just a sucker for following that stuff. Um, so. My expectations for this team, 2020 team, was to be, it was going to be a um, pretty bad team. That's not a unique opinion. Everybody looked at that roster and said, oh my God, that's, that's, a, that's a roster right there built for a different year than this one. And uh, so I was not expecting to have a lot of wins. I thought the pitching staff was going to be a little bit better than people were thinking. Um, I, for some reason, have really high hopes for Taiwan. I still do, but I... Just watching Walker, you know, I don't know. It just, it would just be so cool. I think I want it to be real more than I, if I know it's real, but having Walker be back. And Graveman, uh, I think, is, is going to be better than advertised. And I think Kikuchi and, and with Sheffield's uh, two-seamer, I mean, all of this stuff doesn't necessarily mean a good pitching staff, but it means an interesting pitching staff that has a chance to be good, and that's all I'm asking for. Um, I don't think that we were going to hit uh very well either um i think losing losing hanniger uh obviously was to another surgery that's another big blow um and i think we're going to look at a lot of low scoring games on our part and a lot of high scoring games on the opponent's part which you know in baseball that is that's not good you want to be scoring more than the other team uh so i was all i was set for a year of looking at another year of looking at the development stuff trying to find the prospects who are doing well um you know trying to watch evan white see how he's doing jp crawford he's taking a step forward uh you know how shed long fair with like the majority of the duties at second base is his bat for real um is kyle lewis gonna keep hitting can he make enough contact all the stuff everybody was talking about um I yeah I was definitely in the uh, this could go very badly and probably will but there'll hopefully will be signs of something better. 
Absolutely. I think something that I've talked about on past episodes with people that, you know, it's it's in line with what you're saying is like, we know they're going to be bad. Just don't be boring. You know, yeah. that's all I really wanted from this team. And I think we have sort of the talent level and the personalities too to not be very boring. Like these guys are going to be fun to watch, even if they can only scrape together 68 wins or whatever it's going to be now in a short season. Um, so I think like when I was watching spring training, I remember thinking like, don't worry about if this is going to lead to wins, worry about if this is going to lead to like sort of like a I'm trying to think of the word, like if this is going to congeal, you know what I mean? Like if this is all going to come together the way it's supposed to, because this season was going to be kind of like a loading screen anyway, you know, we're just waiting until we get to the next boss, or the next level or whatever. Yeah. And knowing that made it very weird for me to watch spring training and guys like fighting for a roster spot, you know, like whoever was going to be the 26th guy was going to be, absolutely in the minor leagues or in another organization by the time we're actually competing so i remember thinking like this is all it's, it's again it's the rony creeping into my brain but i remember thinking this is all very fake like why why are they fighting so hard to be the 26th man on the roster when the mariners are going to have hopefully a much better team by the time that any of this would quote unquote matter in terms of postseason stuff yeah and and now we now nothing matters and so it's like oh yeah everybody fight or don't fight it's fine uh yeah. The Mariners yeah. were non-essential workers, as it turns out. <laughs> it turns out baseball not not essential. Okay, um, but I guess we we knew that about the Mariners anyway. That you know, um, but I feel similarly that this season was going to be kind of a, a a little preview that was going to be interesting. I think, yeah, I just want to watch. Even if Kyle Lewis just can't make contact for some reason because of his personality and all the history, and I've been following him uh, since he got drafted. Uh, like I'm just interested to watch him play, even if he's bad. Uh, maybe maybe that will be wrong, and I will watch him be bad, and that would be you know I'll realize okay no this is not interesting. But the, I'm just interested in these players in, as individuals, and also um, like you said, like is this going to come together? And this is our test. Are, are we going to see signs that I mean next year we're supposed to be good like next season? Um, this roster doesn't look like it's going to be good next season, but it, you know, but are, are we going to see a sign that it's going to, you know, take this huge step forward, even if it's not in the wind column? Uh, so I was, I was definitely interested. I was psyched for this season, even more than last season. I was ready. So what do you think the season will look like now? Have you thought about that? Like not even, not only in terms of like, are the Mariners going to be good or bad, but like how many games they're going to play? Like what, what the actual logistics of major league baseball will look like in 2020? I've I think I've thought about it. I it's difficult to actually predict because we don't fully understand like even how bad this is going to get because it kept ramping up and uh you know and at one point somebody said we were going to be free to go back doing stuff on Easter which was a terrible idea and remains a terrible idea and then now it's not going to happen. Uh and so it keeps getting pushed back and I just feel like Maybe we'll maybe we'll get the hundred games they're talking about. Um, I think we'll get creative. I think there will be baseball this year. Maybe that's just my, you know, my hope taking over my uh, rational brain. But I think there'll be baseball this year. It's not going to be 162 games. It's going to be 100, and then we're going to be talking forever about the shortened season, like the strike short shortened season, the way we already do. Um, and it's going to make it's going to feel good to have baseball but it's gonna feel weird like this season is gonna feel like it doesn't fully count i think and so 
I, I don't know if I'd want to be good this year anyway, because it's like, okay, yeah, you guys were good, but it was only over like 88 games. So, you know, what that it's not a, it didn't really count. Um, but so that's, I think like logistically, that's my, that's my thought that there will be baseball. It's going to be a shortened season. Um, we're going to play probably without fans for a while. And that's going to be odd to listen to and watch. Uh, and it will make everything feel even less real. Like watching baseball without fans is like, what, what am I doing? I, why? Like, this is a weird, just watching men throw things at each other and like running around. <laughs> these arbitrary rules are just like sprinting and they're wearing like these weird clothes. It yeah, just, it's really I feel like weird. It's going to be really kind of like art in a weird way. Like that weird, shitty performance art that no one goes to. That's kind of the vibe it's going to have. <laughs> I'm thinking of that scene in The Big Lebowski where he goes to his landlord's like dance recital and he's like one of three people there. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I think it will be like, like, we'll be watching it and like we'll just be like keenly aware of how odd an activity this is. Just from like a human behavior level we'll be like why i don't understand like why do i like this like why, why am i watching this and we need context to be interested on and we need other people to be like yes this is i'm also interested to be like this is a, this is a worthwhile use of my time um and yeah without that like i'm really curious to see i want to see it i honestly do want to see baseball without fans like just just for a while uh just to live in that yeah, me too. And like, it's so funny that I think this, I mean, I don't think that this was planned, but like at, we end every one of these thoughts with like, it's all fake, man. None of this matters. Like that's what I've learned during all this, man, is that everything's artificial. And it's true. Like we created a whole society based around things that just entertain us and they're mm-hmm. not actually useful for keeping anyone alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like all of the, suddenly everybody, what they do is just non-essential. And it's like, wow, really? Because I've been working really hard to be non-essential for a long time. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I wish somebody had told me earlier that this was not essential. I would have done way less of it. I know. Imagine now, like, if if we could go back and they'd be like, okay, so your job is, it pays this much, blah, blah, blah. Here's the hours. It is non-essential. <laughs> you'd be like, well, then see ya. Like, Yeah, no, thank job? you. I'm going to go to the essential job. And hopefully the essential job pays more than the non-essential job. I don't know. That just seems like it would make more sense if, like, if we redid society. It'd be like, which, which jobs do we have to have in order to be a society? And like, these ones. I'm like, okay, those probably going to pay more than the other ones because we don't need the other ones. I'm on board with that as long as podcasters receive a hefty sum because this is, uh, this is noble work during the pandemic, I think. I think me and you have saved at least seven to eight lives in the span of an hour. I think so. I, uh, I'm i not sure how, but I trust that we did. No, I've crunched the numbers. It's all there. Okay. I, I mean, I can't I show you because we're supposed to stay apart from each other, but mm, okay. I, I, it's the numbers are clear. From about six feet, I'll like I'll squint. I don't think I'll be able to see it. I, I you know, I, I trust you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, Nick, let's end with this. Uh, all off season, I've been on a bit of a quest, um, a journey, if you will, to figure out why anyone supports the Seattle Mariners because as you know as every single person listening to this knows there's not many good reasons most of the reasons when you start to get down to it are based in the past tense they were this they did that at one point they were fun Uh, they have not been any of those things for quite a long time if you're obsessed with success and capitalistic measures of goodness they've also been pretty bad um it's all just there's nothing really here for someone who likes sports for the winning aspect of it so i've been asking everyone sort of why they are a mariners fan how did they get here in the first place and now that question lands upon you so easiest way to do this is start at the beginning where were you born how did you become aware of the seattle mariners 
Okay. I was born in Renton, Washington, uh, and I'm going to skip the first year of my life because I don't really recall it. Um, yeah, I, I would say uh, the earliest, it's not even a really a memory, but the earliest uh, thing that happened, my dad, this is a story my parents used to tell me, is my dad was dead set that I would be a Mariners fan. Not just a baseball fan, but like a fan of the Seattle Mariners baseball team. And so like every game, uh, I was like required in the living room to pretend to be interested. He's like, you don't even have to understand it. You don't have to like it. Like you just need to stare at the screen and like just absorb the, the, the experience just through osmosis, just like just this sponge, just take it in. Um, and that proved very effective uh, at kind of inoculating me into, into knowing that, okay, this is something that is important in life. Uh, you know, from that early age when you're impressionable and your parents are pointing out the things that matter, the things that don't matter. And I knew that the Mariners and baseball and spending time watching baseball, uh, that mattered. And so my first real clear memory um, of the Mariners, probably like a lot of people, this is not a, a very unique story, but was uh, the 1995 playoff run. Of course, uh, like, I don't know, the entire fandom is built on the back of, like, one year, which is very depressing, but, uh, hey, that was a hell of a year, so what can we say? Um, but I remember it was a big deal because I was, I was about four at the time, um, and we rearranged our living room because we needed a better viewing of the game, uh, of the playoff series, and that was wild to me. Like my whole, like, oh, the whole house is changing. And my mom was interested. And my sister was interested. They do not like baseball. And so they were sitting down, excited to watch the game and, like, have popcorn. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, like, a huge deal. And it became this um, this family experience. And I don't even remember the game. I just remember sitting with my family uh, in, like, this weird, like, the, the TV was in the hallway. And, like, it was blocking part of the hallway. And the, the couch was, like, against like this weird wall uh, or I don't know. It was this, this odd setup that just worked for television and nothing else mattered, but this game. Um, and so, so I had just been a fan from, from that early age. Uh, and then of course, 2001, like, I don't know, there's these big gaps in Mariners memories, I think. Um, uh, but that, that 2001 team really like hit home how important baseball was to me and like the community uh, like in, in my Mrs. Blum's third grade classroom, shout out to Mrs. Blum, if she's still listening, uh, or she, <laughs> she told me, okay, good. Yeah. I know she's a huge fan of this particular podcast. Um, she, she would, uh, make day games like required listening. Like, so we would just stop like social studies and science, whatever we were doing, uh, did like, we just stopped and we would listen to like an hour of a Mariners game because she was such a huge fan. And I was like, okay, whatever. And so I would stand up beside my desk and I would practice my swing and I would just spend an hour just pretending to play baseball while listening to baseball. Um, and, uh, my first date, it was 2000, I was like in third grade and I went to a baseball a Mariners game, 2001. Um, so there's like huge life moments just wrapped around uh, this team. Um, uh, and they kind of like filled in the hours and like the background of, of my summer memories. Um, you know, like my dad playing the games on, on the stereo outside and I would just be throwing my, my baseball against our chimney uh, and catching it for just hours on end, and he would be like barbecuing or something, and, uh, and it was just like listening to Dave Niehaus just tell a story, uh, and 
it was I don't know those are the the memories that when when you look back on it as a kid and like that was just like a perfect that was like a perfect day and you're always kind of chasing that perfect day I feel like I'm still doing that like I I love the days when I would just it'd be a, a, like a nice warm summer like Puyallup day and I would just be throwing a ball against a wall listening to Dave Niehaus and my dad would be barbecuing you know I'm about to go eat um and so that like cemented it and I was I was sold you know and I I loved baseball the game too I was I was pretty decent at it too as a as an athlete um and then like fast forward to like in a, my adult life and I still followed the team um when I was like 15 I guess adult is loose in this context like 15 16 I followed the team but it wasn't until I was apply I was like trying to uh get into community college at 16 uh that I stumbled upon Lookout Landing completely by accident uh when you know Jeff Sullivan obviously was was running things and I was like what is this like all of these words I don't know and like this this guy just by himself just like writing every single day about the Mariners and all these people were talking about it and they were having these like intellectual conversations about a game I thought was just you know for fun and kind of just nonsense that you entertainment that you watched and that I really cared about but I didn't intellectualize it and I was like wow so we can have like intellectual in-depth and funny discussions and adult discussions about this game which I've just been enjoying watching um so I I like I did not complete my registration that day I actually left uh the community college campus and I and I had to like wait like another uh quarter for to sign up because I got so distracted by by like reading all these uh all these things I had missed you know there's this, this whole archive of things I had to catch up on um and my fandom completely shifted into this like hyper specialized more sabermetric like now me and my dad could not talk about baseball because I knew way too much about it and so it's that weird distance of like he's telling me things about batting averages and I'm like trying not to correct him all the time um and uh but it really made the the game took the game to a whole different level um and that in a way is is still how I prefer to consume baseball um is just people having interesting conversations about the game. Like the game, I love the game, I love the Mariners, um, and I'll probably always be a specifically Mariners fan. Um, but I also love the community and the things that you can make out of the game and the commentary on the game. Um, and uh, like, it's just like a little controlled science experiment and it's so fun and I love just like breaking, like having other people, I'm not a scientist, so having other people break down uh, kind of like what's happening underneath um, and you feel like you're getting closer and closer to some kind of like truth, like you're figuring out like what baseball is and how it works. But then no matter how close you get, there's always going to be that human player element, right? That you can't ever truly predict or know. Like, you know, Mike Chart's going to be good. You don't know he's going to get a single in this at bat, you know, and you'll never know that. And I think that's what that kind of duality of like knowing as much as I possibly can about how baseball works. And then knowing that I will never truly know what's going to happen in a game. I think like that is what keeps me going in baseball. And then the Mariners as a team, like uh, they're just like my comfort food. And I just like to have them around. I like to know that they're around, that they're still trying their best. And I love following, having players that I can follow and root for um, and just, and be part of a, a community uh, of people who, who feel the same way about them that I do. And I think, uh, it has nothing to do with winning, obviously. Otherwise, I would not be a Mariners fan. It has everything to do with um, 
just just baseball just being around and just reminding me of some of the best times of my life and uh, living that and trying to you know build that community around it. Wow, Nick, that was uh, touching, moving even, uh, moving stuff from you. Uh, you started with like a Norman Rockwell painting, which I loved. <laughs> I, I definitely did the throw the ball to myself, pretend like it was a pop fly and catch it in the backyard while my dad cooked or grilled or whatever. Um, so I, I feel like we had pretty similar experiences, although I didn't, I didn't really know what Lookout Landing was until I was trying to to join like I was reading it here and there but kind of like you I would find it by accident you know like I wasn't going to the site every day I didn't know what Fangraphs was until college so like 2014 and that's when like the whole world kind of opened up to me like I was looking at that that dashboard every day trying to figure out like oh who's actually the best player on this team like this person has the highest batting average but he actually kind of sucks like that was obviously and this is not a revelation everyone knows this but like that was massive for me in figuring out that there's much more to baseball because also like you said I was playing the game so like I kind of had the whole thing that people make fun of now or like whenever anyone would try to bring up numbers are like shut up nerd like play the game you know and then <laughs> after I stopped playing the game I was like oh they were right <laughs> they, were 100% <laughs> they had it all right. the nerds knew it all yeah but then we also the last point you made about like the human thing which is so sort of essential to all of sports and all of life, I guess. Like, we saw that play out last year, which feels like six years ago now, when fucking Howie Kendrick won the World Series on a home run <laughs> off the foul pole. Like, oh that my was God. the most crazy. Like, that could only happen in a sport that's, you know, so, like, I guess structured. Like, Howie Kendrick just was up at that point. Like, that's the only reason it happened. He wasn't their best player. You can't just run a play for him or, you know, give him the ball and everyone get out of the way. It was, hey, Howie, you're up. Uh, try to hit a home run to win the World Series. And he did that. Like, that wasn't supposed to happen. You know, all the numbers probably said that that was extremely unlikely. But when it does happen, you're reminded of that, you know, that being in the backyard again. Like you said, throwing the ball against the wall. Like, anything can happen. Mm. And it's that that bond, I guess, between humans to sound really fucking cheesy. That is so... That's what I miss. That's what I want from baseball again. I want to just sit in Safeco Field and talk to the guy next to me about how much we both hate so-and-so or how we think so-and-so could be really good. Like, at the end of the day, it's all we really want in life is just human connection, and whether that comes from baseball or whatever your favorite hobby is. Like, it's so it's so nice. It just feels like cereal, like you said. You know, it's eating your favorite food. It's all the stuff that you know makes your brain feel good, but when you don't have it, you're almost confronted by how much it really means to your health yeah uh i i know we're out of time but like real quick when i knew baseball meant a lot to me i i knew it meant a lot to me beforehand but when i i studied abroad in iceland first time i ever left the country i was like six months in iceland and i'd say about like three weeks in the thing i missed most in the world was baseball like it was during a summer and so i found a way to like pirate the games and like so i would spend nights in iceland uh just on a completely different time zone just just reading all of the articles and like keeping in touch and that was the way i connected back to my home and i knew it was like okay this must be a big deal to me because like this is the thing i'm falling asleep to and the thing when i was sick and alone i like put on i was like okay this will make me feel better um because it reminds me of that human connection you know and in this community that that's that i'm involved in uh yeah, I don't know. It, it it does mean a lot, even though it seems silly to have it mean a lot. 
No, yeah. I had the minor version of that going to college, like leaving Washington for the first time and moving to California. I remember it like started to click in my mind how much the Mariners mean to me. This is so specific, but people will know what I'm talking about. In 2014, the Mariners, that was my freshman year of college, the Mariners played a series in Miami against the Marlins who were like weird. They weren't bad, but they weren't good. They were like mm. the weird Marlins. And I remember watching it and the, the Wi-Fi in my dorm was so bad that it started to like kind of you know skip or like the stream was horrible this is an illegal stream and it was just awful and i remember calling my dad and being like hey dad can you buy me mlb tv so i can watch the mariners and he was like are you watching them right now and i was like i'm trying to and we started talking about the mariners playing that specific game and it was just so instant he was like all right yeah i mean i guess if if you can't watch the mariners any other way then i guess we can do it and i was like thank you like i need that that feeling because the other weird part was like in my dorm we had like you could do the thing where you plug that whatever cord is into the wall and you get the free cable channels. So like I would watch mm. the Padres and I remember thinking like, this is close, but it's not the same thing. And they're like, the Padres are essentially just the national league Mariners. Like they've never mm-hmm. really been good. They have cult favorites, you know, but like, they're not like nationally relevant. And I remember thinking that like, Oh, these are just the Mariners of the national league, but it's the little stuff like not having my home announcers, not having, you know, the stupid little, like the EQC tracer even. I missed that. And then getting all of that back again. And my dad was kind enough to buy me MLB TV. Like that was when I was like, okay, the Mariners are going to be very much a thing for the rest of my life. And that obviously has played out as I get older. So I, I get it. But like having this space to talk about what it really means to like live and die with the Mariners is, has been really helpful for me. So thank you for taking the time to to do that in, in, in a fucking pandemic, no less. So, <laughs> no, pro- I don't really have helpful a helpful for me. Well, no problem. I don't have a ton else going on. So you picked, you picked the proper time to, to reach out to me. So I appreciate you, you inviting surprised. me on. We've reached out to several guests during this and have definitely not heard back from some of them. And I know that all they're doing is staring at their computer. So <laughs> well, I, I remember all of this people. I have my burn book. It's building up. If you, if you spurn the lookout landing podcast, know that your day will come eventually. <laughs> Oh, I don't even, I can't even imagine what that would look like. It's mostly just me being disappointed in you. That's really Oh, it. man, that's where that's... not liking your tweets as much anymore. People are going to notice that if you stop liking their tweets. They're, they're, I know. It's, it's going to hit them. Yeah. Listen, I'm out here. Yeah. Um, Nick, now you have to talk about yourself. Direct um, our thousands of loyal listeners to all of your stuff on the internet or anything else you would like to plug. The floor is yours to uh, promote Nick Stillman. Oh my! Goodness. I wish I had things to promote. Um, so I don't have a ton uh, coming out regularly anymore. You can go read my old articles uh, if you want to look at landing.com or at Short Relief. Um, I have uh, a story up at Meta Metaphoresis Magazine. This one, um, one of the best of 2019. So that was cool. Um, just go to. I guess my Twitter at Nick underscore at underscore day. Um, and you can follow me. I, uh, I'm working on getting some other things published. So if that happens, that would be good. I don't really have anything else to promote. Um, I should, but that, that's all I got. Wonderful. I'm Matthew Robertson at M Robertson 22. We host this show every week. John and Kate have been doing a minor league show. It's very good. It's very fun. Listen to that as well. Continue reading Lookout Landing and just give yourself a pat on the back, folks. We're uh, we're going through 
some shit and we're all doing it together and I'm proud of every single one of you even if that does sound facetious people have told me that they don't know what I'm kidding so I'm trying to work <laughs> on that trying to be a little more sincere which is very hard when you're talking to nobody in your bedroom and you just put a microphone in front of yourself it all feels very unimportant but I do appreciate every one of you and this is the part now where I will say bye I done been through a whole lot Tried tribulation but I know God The devil wanna put me in a bow tie Play that the holy water don't go dry Yeah yeah As I look around me So many motherfuckers wanna down me But ain't no nigga never drown me In front of a dirty devil maybe they found me And I love myself huh, I want you looking at me I Tell me what do you see I love myself I put a bullet in the back of the back of the head And I put me I love myself Illuminated by the hand of God Boy don't seem shy I love myself One day